Hi listeners, hi everyone. So this is the Overcoming Your Story podcast and today we have our first guest, Thelma Diaz, my friend. So I'm very grateful you accepted to come on as our first guest. We are going to have a great conversation, I'm sure. So let's dive in. Tell me about yourself, about, um, yeah, uh, uh, tell me about yourself in your own words. Okay, so hi everyone, hi listeners, hi Miriam. So I am <clears throat> Portuguese. Uh, my dad is Portuguese and is white. My mom is from Guinea-Bissau, so she's black, so I'm mixed race. I grew up in Switzerland for 15 years in Geneva. And now I came to live in England. So I have a very various background, you know, so... Portuguese background, Swiss background, and now British background. It's like a bit, you know, it's like traveling everywhere, just like, you know, my ancestors, you know, the famous explorers from Portugal. And Mm. now I'm currently working in a school, um, teaching French to my wonderful classes. Um, And I also have a background in filmmaking, and I'm hoping to return to that as well, so include that in my current work. And uh, let's see how it goes. Yeah, thank you for that introduction. Um, so this podcast is about discussing our lives, um, how we were raised and how it, it has impacted us and how we transcended and found ourselves or are transcending because it's a process. So um, tell me, so how were you raised? Where were you born? So I was born in Portugal. Um, I don't know if... Many one know, but Portugal is great as a holiday destination. But I think to live in Portugal, it wasn't really easy. So my mom made the decision to leave Portugal. Initially, she wanted to go to France. She went there, but somehow she didn't like. She didn't like it there, and she had a friend or a relative in Switzerland, and that's when she went to Switzerland. And whilst my mom was setting things up for us. In Switzerland, we went to live in Africa for I think a couple of years, and I have to say it was really rough uh, because you know my ma- my my mom and dad they gave us everything, and obviously I had a very tough upbringing. You know when you when you are from any African origins, you know you get smacked, you get beaten sometimes, and I have to say I had I had that, but not as bad as when I went to live in Guinea-Bissau, and in Guinea-Bissau I realized. You get beaten up for even pointless stuff. Even the teachers will beat you up. I mean, it was, let's just say I didn't like living there, you know, for two years. Um, you know, you had, you know, when you lived, you had everything. Like, you, you can go to the shop, you can do anything you want to do. But when I want to live in, and that's the thing that, actually, it's a good thing. I see today, when I was living in Guinea-Bissau, we lived in a remote village. So, in the middle of nowhere, and you can't go to the shop, you can't go to the city. You, it was a village, the habitant, and some market, and that was it. So that was a stark contrast to what I was used to. So in Portugal, I want to go to the beach, I can go to the beach. I want to go to town, I could go to town. It, it made me realize it, it, that's where I found out about my origins. And the funny thing is, even today, in Portugal, they see me as an African person. But when you are in Africa, when I was in Guinea-Bissau, they saw me as a white person. They were like, your hair is different, you're very light. And because of 
the things I was used to. So in a way, I felt like I never belonged anywhere. I don't know how to explain it, but mm, you know, being yeah. mixed race, it's like you don't really have. Nobody wants to claim you. Nobody wants to own you. I don't know how to explain it. But yeah. when we went to live in Switzerland, obviously, it's different than Portugal and Guinea-Bissau. Switzerland is very rich. Very so wealthy. how old were you when you moved back to Guinea-Bissau? So uh, okay, when I left Guinea-Bissau, uh, Portugal to go to Guinea-Bissau, I was about two. Two years mm-hmm. old. I stayed there for two years. So when I left Guinea-Bissau, I was four. So when I went to Switzerland, I was actually four years old. And honestly, I was gobsmacked. You know, the streets, the banks, the buildings. It's like Wall Street. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this. But the difference is just gobsmacking. But um, Switzerland had so much to offer. And I've got to say, I'm grateful for everything. But living there, it was, it was hard because in the late 80s, I was there, I think it was 80, 86, 87, I think it was 86 or 87, I'm not sure. But in the late 80s, yeah, Geneva is not the Geneva of today. You know, Geneva of today is full of people from many nationalities. It's a metropolitan city. It's an international city. But back then, you have to remember, in the 80s, it was quite racist and I experienced racism from the get-go. Like first time I went to class, teachers didn't want to deal with me because I didn't speak the language. So I had nobody teaching me French, so I had to learn it on my own. And I was always dubbed like the person that doesn't know anything. So I was not only the teachers didn't like me, the classmates, they looked at me as if I'm I'm like a, an outsider, like what are you doing here and you don't belong here. So it was hard. I, I don't know. I, I felt like I was beaten up by words, <laughs> by mm. the attitude of people. So in Africa, I was beaten up, like, you know, for the rules or whatever when I was listening. And the, the thing is, I have to be honest with you, I have, I'm, all of this made me somebody that used to stand up for myself, very hard, strong, headstrong, tough person. So I, I somehow managed to get used to the beatings, if that makes sense. But the racism... At the beginning, it was hard. I really didn't find it easy mm. to deal with. I used to go home and cry. I used to be in the playground and cry. And I have also, to say, you're talking about the difference with living in Guinea-Bissau, where you were yeah. physically beaten. Yeah, that you managed to somehow. Well, you were very yeah. young when we think of it. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. But when you came to Switzerland, it was harder, even though the context uh, economically was better. Yeah, but. As a person, it was hard for you because um, you didn't feel accepted. You didn't feel you belonged. Yeah, and and also the thing that people don't know, uh, the Portuguese. I mean, you've been living in Geneva, and there yes. was a time a Portuguese. At the same time, we went to live in Switzerland. Uh, the Portuguese population as well started to also move to Switzerland in the 80s, and sadly for them, when they arrived there, they were either cleaners or builders so i was mocked for that the fact that i'm portuguese oh and my mom used to be a cleaner like i'm not ashamed to say that she was and he was for for her to put food on the table i mean what else can she do so for all of those reasons i was mocked for being portuguese because portuguese were known for 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 being cleaners and builders so very low like in the in the scale the, the lowest of the lowest 
and being as well mixed race, it doesn't matter for them that you mixed race. The fact that it's, it, for them you're black, you know, and I say it doesn't matter. You have this mixed, you know. So that was really tough, you know, when you go in a in a school where all your classmates, and at the time we were. I wouldn't say we were not legal in Switzerland, but my mom didn't have all the papers sorted. It was in the, in the process. And technically, in Switzerland, you have to have it all settled before you even live there. So we were clandestine a little bit, if that makes sense. So all of that mm -hmm. added to the fact that I couldn't open up my mouth, say, oh, why are you talking? Like I had, I was told I had to be really quiet and not fight back. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for a yeah, long time, I had to the... shut it. Exactly. I, I had because of the documents, yeah. For the documents, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't reply back. If people say, oh, you're Portuguese or you go back where you come from. And trust me, what I'm saying is nice compared to what I was told on my face and sometimes behind me. It was it was really tough. And I have mm -hmm. to say, I've, for 15 years, I have, I have to be honest, every single year of my life there, I've, I've faced some sort of racism, one form or another. And that never stopped, sadly. And mm -hmm. I, it, I have to say that's one thing that no matter how much I try to adapt, I never accepted that fact that because for me, you know, I, I was I was young. For me, racism, what, why? I mean, we are we not yeah. all human people? Are we not, you know, what, like in my class, there were some that were white, but they were not even Swiss. So how come they are accepted? And I wasn't accepted. Yeah. So it was really, really hard to take. And I had. So I also, for, yeah. Yeah. Just for context. um how we met it's a very yeah. funny story i think yeah. <laughs> we met in a facebook group for writers right yes was it blog i forgot what yeah which one it was. Uh, no i think it was a memoir writing group or yes. just a writing group something like that yes. how how did we realize i think did i ask a question or you asked a question and i commented something no i think you commented on the fact my blog was about my experience in switzerland and you yes. said you are also from Switzerland and you know what it's like. And now you live in Canada. And I remember we were having this discussion and it was very interesting that you sadly face the same thing. And it's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not so easy. So from there we connected and then we spoke yeah. on the phone. Um, yeah, yeah it's very, it's interesting. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and what, just for, for listeners to understand, in Switzerland, there were a few waves of immigration. I think the first one were the the Italians. I don't know exactly the dates. Yeah, it was it, like I the think, 60s, 70s, something. Yeah, the, in Geneva especially. That's one thing I remember. Yeah. The Italian, I think they went first. Then yes, they were first. And there were a lot of discrimination against them. And yeah. then, as and you then, said, um, the, the those Spanish... From yeah, the Spanish after, I think there was in the 70s, then the, the Portuguese, Spanish, the Portuguese yeah. in the 80s. But I remember there was a lot of, um, a lot of um, bad stuff happening in Albania. And yeah. people from Albania the came, war. I think, in the 90s. Or, yeah, but I know that yeah. side they came afterwards as well. And the yeah. funny thing, again, I mean, it's not funny, but when I saw, like, I was there before them, right? And they didn't face no discrimination whatsoever, like, not as bad as I have perceived. And I still puzzle me, how come you accept them? Well, because they're white. And yeah, it's just, just weird. And that's, that saddens me. It really does. But it is what yeah. it is. But it, did, and, it did affect my mental health for a long time. I didn't know how to deal with my anger. The fact also, when we started... Did you, have, did you have friends? Did you have people to talk to? Like, what did your mom... 
do like what did your parents do did they could they support you did they understand because sometimes it's hard for parents to well to be honest the person that I connected straight the most ever since I was born was my dad um he understood and the the funny thing with him we were we were the same we were totally like he was is my half I don't know how to explain this but he, he met my mom in Africa so imagine he was the outsider going to Africa But he was accepted. He was fully accepted by, uh, you know, because he traveled not only in Guinea-Bissau, but many parts of Africa. And he was always accepted. No matter where, which country he went to in Africa, he was accepted. Uh, so in that, in that context, my dad understood what I, was going, what I was going through. And the funny thing is, when he lived in Switzerland, he didn't like living there. The fact is Portuguese, he had, he had so many... Um, certificates, diplomas, you know, he was an architect, so he, he made great studies, but they let him know, listen, you just came here, you have to start from bottom before you go to the top. So they gave him jobs like cleaning, like build a job. He tried to do it, but he wasn't happy. Because imagine you're in Portugal, you earn your life very well. You give up some of good opportunities because at the time he wanted to go to South Africa, but in South Africa it was the time of the apartheid. So he couldn't go there because my mom was black. So he goes to Switzerland against his will because I don't think... He never liked it there. He never liked the people attitude. And the, and the funny thing is, he's never, he's never been discriminated for being Portuguese or anything like that because he, he sort of gets along well, but he, there's something about Switzerland that he didn't like. And I think also seeing my mom's treatment because he's somebody that's not a racist person and he doesn't like racism. And what he saw like plain racism while I was going through as well, he just didn't like it there at all. And that's the one person that understood me fully what I was going through. So I used to talk to him about my dad's school, about how I hate it, how, how I want to go back to Portugal. Heck, I even wanted to go back to, to Guinea-Bissau because I was getting used to the, to the life there, even the beatings or whatever. But I just, Switzerland in the beginning, I... After be honest, I hated it. And no, I didn't have really friends there. Uh, my, my sister was like my friend because I used to hang up with my sister and the friends. And no, I didn't have really people. The, the one, the, some people that made friends was the boys because I was tough, I was rough. So they were like buddies. But, you know, boys, you can't really, you know, have a heart-to-heart. -heart, oh, this is what I'm going through. They, they don't care about that. They just... And I've considered the one thing I like with the boys, they accepted me the way I was. They didn't care where I was from. The fact I was playing their games, I was rough. And I was a tomboy as well. That helped me feel integrated in the group. But yeah, it really, the, the girls were really very mean. Really, really mean. And a lot of stuff they were saying, like, oh, I'm a monkey, I should go in the trees. Or look at your hair, like, what's wrong with your hair, or whatever. So it was, a, it was very tough really really tough and i hope and pray it's not like that today because they don't understand the the impact it can have on on somebody's mental health yeah. it's really it's awful it's really bad and my kids i'm even jealous my kids they they accepted for where they are they they never gone through suffer that my daughter she got two friends that are white colombians they don't give a damn about my daughter being black they don't care about that you know mm. but my dad understood my mom in a way She she understood me, but from what my understanding, she made me understand that that was a good life, you know, living in Switzerland. So 
we didn't really have a choice what to stay there and yeah again don't get me wrong the opportunities there were amazing financially it's amazing there but the treatment even my mom she received even worse treatment treatment than myself but she she said we just have to keep going and it was it was hard it was really really hard but what broke me was when my mom and my dad separated oh i went i was really depressed angry I was how old really were upset. how old were you then i was six or seven when my dad left oh, and it wow, was yeah, a shock young. because we just started living in switzerland and you are the person in a way that can help us not get this abuse because you know mixed race people back then it was non-existent you don't you don't really see it obviously today pretty much all parents i mean all couples are mixed race like one black one white but back then it wasn't like that we used to get funny looks but afterwards because my dad was white that allowed us not to get dirty looks all the time so when he left it really broke me it really totally i had no one to talk about what was always going through somebody who was understanding and always encouraging me like come on you can do it it was mm -hmm. hard. I mean, I'm not saying my mom wasn't there, but she was going through the same thing. So it's like music to her ears. Like there's nothing she can do. There's nothing I could do. So it was really hard uh, to, to take it. But I think no amount of racism could really pain me as much as when my dad left. It was really, really awful. I think yeah, it was the worst for, of my life. Yeah, for a child, uh, I mean... That's one major trauma, especially you, yeah. you loved your dad. Um, oh, from what you say. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I can imagine that um, not feeling comfortable in Switzerland and then uh, seeing your parents separate. And then I know your mom, she was working, I'm sure, a lot to make yeah. ends meet. Yeah. So and she, then, she you was, know, it was not time. easy. Yeah. 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 She didn't have time for us. I mean, my mom, all her life in Switzerland, she's always been working sometimes two jobs, three jobs. So she's always been busy. Even now, even now, she's been in Switzerland for 30 years. She's still working as crazy as before. It's, no, it's not easy. Yeah. What is funny about Switzerland, or actually not funny, is that it has this perfect image in the international arena where you go everywhere. So I left Switzerland after 19 years living there. Mm -hmm. I, uh, for the same reasons, I just couldn't take the racism anymore. And when I had children, I just couldn't imagine my daughters going through the life I went through. And today I'm realizing that there are many years of my life in Switzerland. I lived as if I was not there. I was physically there, but in my mind I was not there. And I feel it. I think it's quite sad. Yeah. It's like as if I lost years of my life, right? But yeah. I, the pain was just so much that that's how I kind of... I dissociated myself to manage the pain. But all this to say that Switzerland is viewed very positively on the outside. When I came to Canada, everybody was telling me, why did you come to Canada? Switzerland is one of the best countries in the world. How could you leave Switzerland? Mm. You know, at first I didn't know what to say. But more and more, I tell them, well, it could be the best country, but not when you're a black woman. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm like, you know, me as a black woman, if I tell you my experience in that country, you cannot imagine. So I started yeah. like voicing it because sometimes at first I, I didn't know what to say because that's the thing in Switzerland too. People don't want you to speak. So you take this um, stance of not telling mm. your pain, right? You don't say what, yeah. you don't say you go through racism in Switzerland because people no. will tell you that Switzerland is not yeah. racist. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. They, you know, yeah. uh, I don't even and say Geneva, I don't... Geneva as well. Why you have all this, you know, international organization? You shouldn't be racist. Like, what yeah. the heck is that? The United Nations, all those. Yeah, all of these things, and I have the same as you, the same comments. I'm here in England. Why did you leave Switzerland? It's so beautiful. Whatever. I say, but it's not just about the beauty. Yes, it is breathtaking. It is all of this is amazing. But you haven't lived in my shoes. You don't know what it's like when you go in a class full of people and you get ignored by the teachers. Most of the time I was ignored and now I realize the way I was behaving in class. I was, you know, seen as a troublemaker, uh, attention seeker, and I was trouble. But it doesn't mean I was stupid because the thing is, if you challenged me, if you tried to give me the work, I would have done the work. But because the teacher didn't care about me, I didn't care about the work either. That's why I wasn't doing very good. And I have to say, it's, it was awful. You know, like you said, I felt non-existent a lot of time in the classroom. And you spend, like, regardless what people think, kids spend most of their life in school. This is our social, you know. And it was hard, it was hard when you have others that get away with things. And you, when you do that little thing, no, you don't get away because you are black. It just doesn't make sense. It's just awful. And I have to say, mm. I don't regret. I mean, Switzerland, no matter what, what I've been through, it's part of me because every time I like going home, it's, it's still my home. But the years of suffering just because of the color of my skin, oh, it was awful. Sometimes I even cry myself to sleep. Sometimes I, I mean, I don't like to say it like that. And I hope I'm not going to offend your listeners. But sometimes I try to kill myself. I was like, you know what? I'm fed up. I can't do I can't deal with this. I was really in a point where, I was like, I don't care anymore, you know, but mm. obviously I was too coward to do it. But to be honest, yeah, there was times I had, I had very suicidal thoughts, really. Yeah. I told that um, to my mom and my mom was like, oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, uh, um, I'm sorry that you had to go through this and whatever. But at the same time, I didn't want to tell her. I said, look, you were always working because it was a time she was studying as well. She She didn't have the time. And the thing is, I don't blame her because she had to work. You know, to provide for us, to pay the bills and everything. So, so it was it was hard. It was really hard. I'm I'm really sorry. Um, uh, you went through that. Um, um. So, like, at what point did you realize that you have to leave Switzerland? Because I know that at one point, you just said no, this place. So what happened was we, my mom, when my dad left, she tried to you know entertain us. So. We used to travel quite some time. So instead of just going to Portugal, we started to go to France. But I think what struck me was the first time we went to England. Uh, I w- it was 1991. And I remember, and I don't know if you know this guy, this news anchor guy, this journalist, Trevor McDonald, is black. I saw him on TV. You know, oh, please research, he's, he's a legend. I even I even got to meet him once and I embarrassed myself. But anyway, uh, I saw this guy. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's so I swear the the most. What did he do again? Tell me. Oh my god! I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. But I saw this guy, black, presenting the news. You guys must think, oh, there's nothing new there. Remember, it's early '90s. In Switzerland, you ne- I've never seen that. In the 90s, I'd never seen that. I think it was late, like in 2010s or something, or 2000, I'm not sure. But I've never seen a black presenter ever. Even we had French channels, 
I didn't see that in French channels either. I swear, if you guys saw it in the early 90s, let me know where, how. But I was like, I was shocked. The guy was, too, I didn't understand English, but I looked at him, I'm thinking, okay, somebody looked like me on TV. Like, how, you know? And I also saw black policemen, again, in Switzerland, I've never seen that. So I was really, when I came to England the first time, I was gobsmacked by the fact that we were walking down the street, nobody looking at us like differently or anything like that. We we had, you know, people being smiling, being nice to us. Although the one thing I have to say in England, I didn't like the weather. The weather was really rubbish, <laughs> rubbish, beyond rubbish. But the people were so nice. So and the food was rubbish too. <laughs> I remember when, when you live in Switzerland and yeah, you have it's your, hard to live as well. Exactly, but yeah, the people were so nice, and I remember saying to my mom, like, "What's going on here?" I had this image in my head, like, "Oh, the British—they're not very nice." But actually, they're very nice. The one thing I would say, they're accepting, like in London, especially. And then since then, my mom made us travel. A lot in England, we went, we came again in 93, 94, and we, there was a habit. And then she said, okay, I used to like English. She said, okay, we're going to send you to our host family so that you can go to school and live with a person that speaks English. So we started with those, I think it was early 2000 or late 90s, I forgot. I think it was late 90s. And then the, this, that, that year, it was, I think it was in 1999. I will never forget. It was, I was in Margate. And I remember the host family was amazing. But I have to be honest with you, London, you have a lot of black people, mixed race, whatever. But when you go outside, at the time it wasn't as much, but you were still accepted. So I remember I was in Margate and I didn't want to return to Switzerland. I was like, my host family said, oh, now it's time for you to go. And I said, I was saying to them, oh, can you, like, can you adopt me? Like, I don't want to go back. I don't want to leave, you know. And then they're like, we have to go back to your mom. And I, and I said, yeah. And I realized, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I can't, you know. <laughs> so I went to Switzerland. And basically my mom, and I was, I was sad. I was really like, ah. Oh. My mom was like, oh, how was the holidays? Did you enjoy yourself? I said, yes. And I said, mom, we need to talk. And my mom was like, What's happened? Like, what's what's going on? So I was 17. I said to my mom, I said, look, mom, um, I don't know how to say this, but I want to leave to England. I want to go and move to England. So at first she looked at me like, like, where does that come from, you know? And then I said, mom, I'm serious. I actually want to leave, you know, to go and live in England. And she said, oh, why? Like, what's up there? And I said, look, I feel like there I'm always accepted. Um, I feel like I've got opportunities there and I still want to speak the English fluently. I don't want to just, because I was good in English. I was good in languages in school. But I said English, I, I want to speak it like a fluent person. And I said, I can't do that here. And even though I wanted to be a, tr a translator or an interpreter, I was told in Switzerland, it take me 10 years to have the English, to do the formation, whatever. And I'm sure they said that because I'm black. Because if it was somebody else, I don't think it will, it will be 10 years. Like, come on. So my mom no. said, my only, exactly. So my mom said, okay, my only condition is if you want to go to England, you need to finish your school here, yeah? And then you can go to England. And I was thinking, oh, imagine my mom said, no, I was already imagining my head. I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to escape. I'm going to go. I don't know. I was going to do something crazy to leave to England. But I'm glad she said yes. And I, I, I really have to say she... Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's shocking because a lot of people like, oh, I would never let my daughter do that. But then I said, but why not? Now, if you find an agreement, my mom said, 
finish your studies so that you have a, a diploma and then that can always be useful. And she was right because yeah. that diploma helped me in England. So I That's listened amazing. to her. I finished my school in two years and I've got to say that's the first time in my life I worked as hard, but I did what I had to do and I left. You know, because and you had my... a goal. Exactly. And I remember the last day, the last year, the teacher was asking around, oh, what are you guys going to be, what are you guys going to do after college is over? Everybody say architect or shopkeeper, whatever they said. And when it comes to me, I'm going to go to England. Everybody was laughing. I was like, yeah, right, yeah, right. And I said, yes, I said, I'm going to England. They're like, yeah, yeah, well, you're going to travel whilst we all think. And I said to them, I'm not going to go there just to travel. I'm going to go there to live. And the class was silent. And I said, I'm serious. Like, I am going. So they just carry on not believing. But every time I come back, they're like, oh, my days. Oh, you did it. I said, yes, I said I would do it. And that's the thing with me. I'm very stubborn. When I want something, I make sure I do what I said I'm going to do or I get what I want to get. You know, that's so, amazing. That's yeah, amazing. No, but it was 19, you know, I finished my studies and as I say, I went. Wow. You're very I, brave. 19, you oh, moved it was, abroad it by yourself. Easy, but I don't regret because to be honest with you, when you're at that age, you know, you are, when you're 19, early 20s, you come to a, to an age where you need to think of exactly what you want. And I wasn't happy in Switzerland. I wasn't, I, I had everything. They provided a lot of things, a very good you know, education and everything. But when you're not happy somewhere, I'm not the type yeah. of person I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get by. No, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. So I had to do something yeah. that made me happy. So and I, I don't agree. regret. I don't regret at all living in Switzerland. I don't regret. So tell me, tell me something. So after this um, upbringing, that was not really easy. And um, these 15 years in Switzerland, um, so how did you view yourself? Like when you extracted yourself from this context, so you're in a new country. I, I'm sure it's not easy to start with because beginning in a new country is very difficult. Like but yeah. how has this childhood, this upbringing impacted you as a person? And how have you been like working on yourself, uncovering this story that it has left in you to become the term I I know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, um, I have to say, when I was saying that <coughs> I felt non-existent in the classroom, uh, when I came, and, and the thing is, I don't, I'm not saying that out of arrogance. I like, I'm somebody who love, who love to read. I love to explore things, learn new things. I always love that. But when teachers don't care about you, obviously you're not gonna care. So that when I came to live in this country, in England. The opportunities opened up. I, I went to school and I was supported. You know, even the teacher said, yeah, you know what? You're very bright. You're hardworking. So all this feedback, this very good feedback helped me study. I, I studied my English within a year. I could speak English fluently. Uh, I went to study uh, five years filmmaking. Before I wanted to do uh, interpreter, translator, but somehow it didn't work out. But then I had to fall back on on filmmaking because one of my teachers said to me, uh, it's good that you learn English, but you need to put your English some, somewhere. And he said, filmmaking, like in media, it talks about everything, it deals with everything. Why don't you study media? And I'm somebody who likes films, I like to read anyway. So I said, okay, why not? And I did that and then I went to university. And can you imagine teachers in Switzerland, they basically tell, tell you, like, they write you off, that you're not good for nothing, you're never going to achieve anything. But I went to university, and every and I'm 
honestly, Marianne, I don't know what to say this, but every day that I used to go to university, I had to check my card. Like, I'm at university when I was told I will never be good for anything. I will never amount to anything. And even oh, my wow. teachers even reassured me. They always said that you work really hard. You do what you have to do. You know your craft. Like, you're a hard-working person. Like, I am lazy. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm lazy. I like to, you know, sometimes I don't like to... You know, anyway, it's a yeah, like, every, like like everybody, you know, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I have to say that really helped me, you know, turn my negative uh, uh, childhood education into something positive. And I'm still training today. I'm training to be a teacher. So I've always been every opportunity education was in this country. You have to remember in, in Great Britain, they give you endless opportunity. You can be 50, 60, 80, 90. If you want to study, if you want to go back to school, they don't have age discrimination. In Switzerland, 50, 40 even to go to school, that would never happen. Yeah, I, I, that's, know, true. that's true. If it happens, you're not going to be, you know, welcome with open arms. That's what I'm saying. Mm. But I have to say I turned it into positive and it really allowed me to explore a lot of things, even explore my own abilities that actually, yes, I can. I can be a good student. I can, I can actually behave in class because I have the attention. I don't need to, you know, seek attention. So it really helped me build that up. And, oh, I have to say, I'm always grateful. And that, that's the thing. The day I met Trevor McDonald. So imagine you see this guy on TV in the 90s, right? I was nine years old. First time I saw him on TV. And at the graduation... He was giving us our diploma and I saw him and I was gobsmacked. I was like, and I say, I'm a big fan of yours. I love your movies, but the guy is not an actor. <laughs> he is a journalist. <laughs> he looked at me like, uh, okay, congratulations. He didn't know what to say to me. Was, I was like, what a stupid oh idiot. Like you meet, you meet the guy that you always wanted to meet in your life. And you say something stupid like that, and I'm thinking, oh my god. <laughs> anyway, and when I told that to my mates, they were like, they were like, tell me, what were you thinking? You could have just said you like him. I said, no, but I don't know what I was thinking. So anyway, oh. I, I hope I was memorable <laughs> with him. But it was they looked at me like, actor. Oh, okay, like okay. She just she, she doesn't know who I am. And I'm thinking, but I know who you are. Like, yeah, yeah. No, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> But oh, I got that's to so meet funny. my hero live, so that that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah I like no, how I you see the the positive side of things. It's amazing. Um, yeah, no, it helps. Wow, yeah. thank you so much. Your story is so wonderful. Um, and also, um, I like to laugh, and I see that you you always you always have a joke every time I talk to you. Or <laughs> I'm always laughing. I'm always no. laughing. So, um. How has that helped you? You know, how has like the, the ability to be able to laugh about things? Because for me, it's helped me a lot in my life. You know, making yeah. fun of myself, even making fun of everyone. You know, okay, not all the time, but sometimes yeah, it helps. <laughs> no, I have to say, when you have a really tough and hard upbringing, uh, when you live in Switzerland, and I re and I remember, I was always a bit goofy, a bit crazy, but the thing is. When you don't have the attention of the teacher, you, you sort of do what you want to do. And I have to say, I try to fight. Like, it's, it's, it's funny how those people who laugh, they always are the one, or happy, they always are the one who've been through a lot of stuff. They are the one, and, and they, there's a say, the best comedians are the ones who have to talk about a traumatic life. That's how it That's is. True, and I remember the, 
all the crap, I'm sorry for my language, but all the crap I went through in Switzerland, I sort of like tried to find the funny side and that's how, that's how it was. And all the time I was like, try to brush it off and, you know, forget about it. And, you know, I just try to, every day try to get by, but it was tough. And when I came to this country, finally I was able to be myself, that this big, larger than life personality that I have. Uh, in Switzerland, it wasn't accepted, but hey, it's accepted. I mean, hey, every, everyone and anyone's accepted anyway. But that really helped me get through a lot of stuff because there are days, like I said, I had really low point where I actually didn't want to live anymore. But mm-hmm. then I realized, you know what? And that there was one time I remember I was, I was 13 when I was going through a really rough period. I thought, you know what? Yeah, this there should be a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Always I was I was keeping that in the focus that, yeah, Things are not always as bad as you think, as you feel. So it helps to be positive. It helps no matter what situation. It really helps. I know you also write. I've I've, I've read uh, your blog. So how has that also helped? Because you write really well, and uh, oh, thank you. you. You share your experiences in a in a very powerful way. So, so how has that that has helped? Because the thing is, I used I did an English GCSE. So in order to be a teach uh, to train as a teacher. I was told I need to have a GCSE in English, and they also asked me A-levels or, you know, um, equivalent of what I did previously. So that's why this diploma my mom said I should finish in Switzerland helped me to do the training. And then I realized I loved doing the English GCSE. And then, I, and then uh, when I was, you know, exploring the skills of using English, like metaphors, similes, and all of this English, te- uh, you know, language technique, I used to write... On um, I think there's a there's a group called Swiss in the UK or something like that. I used to write some of my experience, especially during um, you know, the Black Lives uh, um, Matter movement. You know, after George Floyd died, I used to write like, you know what? I did experience racism in Switzerland, but see, it wasn't as bad. And I was giving some example of white people in Switzerland that were there for me that I really liked, and the people enjoyed my story. They they were like, oh. You should have a blog and write about it. And I'm thinking, okay. And I say, I don't know how blog works. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. They say, oh, just have a website. And every week you post something. And I said that since you've done your English GCSE, your writing skills is good. Yeah, try and, you know. And then I realized, yeah, it was, when I started to share the story, it was, it was like a therapy to finally to let it all out. To finally come to terms of, yeah, I suffer racism, but that's not going to define me as a person. And it really helped me. I started from the beginning, like, not only when I was living in Switzerland, but from the very beginning of when I was born and how it was. And then, but I've got to say, it really helps me, you know, mentally to sort of like see me when I was younger, how it affected me then and how I went through it. And sadly, it does bring back not the best memories. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I even wrote and I cried about it. I'm thinking, gosh, that's awful to be that person. You know, one one time a teacher pulled my hair. One time she threw my report card on the floor. Like the things I'm thinking, that is awful. And me, as a, as a tra- I'm training to be a teacher, I'll never do that. And I don't think you can do that anyway because otherwise you get sacked. But I'm thinking, that's really horrible. And it really helps me to come to term, you know, to all of that and share my experience with other people that have been through racism in Switzerland or wherever they've been through it. So it does help me a lot. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, 
yeah, I know how writing and going back can stir up uh, a lot of things that <laughs> that we had even forgotten or or put aside to move forward. Um, we yeah, are in the last. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we are in the last minutes. Yeah, the emotions of. Uh, you mean the emotions of uh, all? Yeah, everything that happened, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. The the emotion always come back. You, you. It's like you take yourself back. You sort of like see the that you. Yeah, the like I don't know that evolve. I don't know how to say that anymore. Mm-hmm. You you evolved. <laughs> evolved. You evolved. Exactly. You yeah. evolved. Yeah. So it, it it helps a lot. So I encourage everyone that have been through a traumatic experience or anything you've been through, you know, whatever is your therapy, if it's writing, if it's yoga, if it's working out, whatever it is, do something about it. Don't just keep it in and then one day it just comes out. Just try and... It it came out when I was 13, like, in an explosive way because I didn't know how to deal with that anger that was building. But now I'm like, I understand why I was acting like that and it helps me now today not to expose anymore. Like even sometimes it's in a real occasion when I face racism, I know how to deal with like, you know, mm-hmm. so it helps. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so any last words for our listeners? How, how do you take care of yourself? Um, I know you're a mom, you go to school, yeah. you work, you're a very busy woman. Yeah. So how how do you find time to take care of yourself, my dear Therma? So um, the blog helps me be with myself and my thoughts. Uh, also, yeah, being a mom, you know, it's like it's good to see your legacy in a way, you know, to see those kids that one day, you know, they represent you. But also, I've got to say my students, I really I like to share my experience with my students. I don't just do okay i'm just gonna throw you grammar and vocab i sort of share about where i come from because they always asking questions like oh you missed the ass your name is portuguese but you speak french so i also sort of like give them um, a brief slice of how my life my life used to be before uh they are joking they're like oh miss i can't believe you're terrible whatever so they it's it sort of helps you know to recycle your memories your the way you were before and now how you are now. So it really does help, you know, to come to terms with things and to accept you as a person the way you are now. And, um, yeah, it, it really helps to... The thing I would say, acceptance is key. You know, accept, be happy how you are, know what, how people want you to be, but how you feel like you are. It doesn't matter that's how amazing. people feel about you. Yeah, that's what I'd say. You know, my my husband, I've been with him for 15 years. Is the total opposite of me. He's very calm. He's not outgoing. I'm totally opposite. And when you have somebody that sort of com- completes you and accepts you for you are, supports you no matter what, that is lovely to have in your life. Yeah, that's you know? amazing. So, yeah, it's amazing. So I have great support, my family, my kids, my husband. And that, that also, you know, me, I'm, I'm always here for me. I'm always backing me. You know, everything oh, I try to do. Exactly. So you have to, yeah. really, you have to be your biggest fan. You have to look yourself in the mirror, be happy what you see, be happy with the reflection. Oh, your you know, words, your words are can amazing. Do it for you. So you have to, you know, love yourself, really. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Terma. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, you ended with very powerful words, really. You have to back yourself up, stand up for yourself, love who you see in the mirror. 
Yes. Yeah, and be your biggest fan. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking that, that to too. us a lesson. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's yeah. you too as well, because what you do is very amazing. So you should be really proud of yourself. You got three daughters, one baby, and you're doing all of this. So it's, it's very good. So honestly, oh. keep up the great work. Oh, thank you, my dear. Thank you. I feel very encouraged. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> thank you. And bye for now. Okay, bye. Papa, <laughs> papa. <laughs> <laughs>